This episode of the podcast is dedicated to the memory of Montvale office legend Dwight Page. Sadly, Dwight has passed away. A longtime member of Digital Nexus, Dwight had a reputation for a strong work ethic, his dedication to solving problems, and for always, always meeting every challenge and client with a smile. Our love goes out to Dwight's family, friends, and all the countless colleagues he's connected with over the years. He'll be greatly missed, but never, ever forgotten. You've just received a phone call from your boss that she'd like you to present on generative AI to some people on your leadership team. She thinks you'd be a great fit for it because you're already well-versed with the tool and wants you to get more face time with the leaders. You're flattered you've been asked. You're also terrified. A hundred questions race through your mind. Should I make slides? How many? What should I wear? What should I say? You have one voice telling you to be excited and another telling you to run. I'm Joe DeProspero. This is the Montville News. We are back in the studio. It's a cold winter day, but we're nice and warm in our Montville studio. I'm Joe DeProspero. I am joined by my co-host, Gail Smith-McCarthy, as always. Gail, how are you today? I am well, Joe. Feeling really good today and nice and refreshed. Refresh is a good thing. But today we're going to be talking about a subject that makes us feel a little uneasy, maybe not so refreshed. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a topic, it's near and dear to my heart, I'm sure yours as well, public speaking, a daunting topic. Uh, a subject that remains scary to me to this day, even after years of experience, you know, hosting virtual events, in-person events, podcasts, whatever. Uh, we're going to talk about our early, not-so-great experiences, what we learned along the way. So, Gail, you and I are, are kind of known for raising our voices around here, but at least for me, that wasn't always the case at all. So I'm looking forward to <laughs> getting into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have a, a guest in the second half of our show today. So, Gail, can you tell me a little bit about her? So, yeah, I'm really excited today because we're, we're going to be joined by Marlon Bennett. And, Joe, when you and I had been thinking about doing a podcast about pu- public speaking, Marlon was one of the first people I thought of because I had, had seen her journey and kind of heard from her about how it felt going into a public speaking situation and that nervousness and anxiety and kind of feeling, oh, I don't know if I can do this. So very excited to have Marlon join us shortly. Absolutely. So, Gail, before we go any further, let's break the ice. Hi, Gail. Hi, Joe. It is Justin Domini. Excellent job on episode one. I truly enjoyed your rapport. So for an icebreaker question, I was wondering what shows you've been binge watching lately. I did some uber productive Netflix work over the holiday break, and I'm recently hooked on Fargo and True Detective. How about you? So binging, that's been hard for me lately, Gail. I, I got to tell you, uh, with three kids at home and other responsibilities, it, it's, it's, been, it's been hard. We, I'm not in a situation where I can watch like five episodes in a sitting, which is a classic binging. So it's more like my wife and I will sit down like at 1130 at night on a Tuesday and we'll get through half an episode of something. <laughs> then we'll watch the other half of it the following Thursday and we'll remember one of us fell asleep and we don't know what's going on. So it takes a long time to, to get through a show, but one thing we are in the middle of is a, a British miniseries or limited series now they call them called Fool Me Once. That is so, on my list. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's um, it's a murder mystery. Those are my favorite types of shows, mm-hmm. and um, 
Reminds me a little bit of the show Broadchurch, another fantastic uh, British miniseries. I actually did kind of our our version of binging, my husband and I, which is maybe we'll watch like two shows in a row or maybe even three if we're getting really crazy. But um, but there were a few shows that I've I've taken in recently. Uh, Beef was one of them. Golden Globe shout out because I know that they they've got some Golden Globe Golden Globes love. Um, the Barbie movie, which I really enjoyed. I, I had heard a lot about it. I had written it off at first, um, you know, Barbie. Yes, I used to play with them, but but I had heard a lot of good things about the messages, and I really did enjoy it. I thought it was really sweet, and there were some heartwarming moments as part of that. So let's go back to the beginning, because when we talk about public, public speaking, and there are people who we admire for their public speaking skills, they weren't always that way. You know, they, everybody started at ground zero. Everybody started at the beginning. And you're one person, Joe, who I, I admire how you facilitate, how you emcee, and just how you're able to make it look effortless. So I'm curious, what was your personality like growing up? And what do you remember about your first public speaking experience? Well, first of all, I really, really appreciate th- those kind words, Gail, and I feel the same way about you. And I get that quite a bit being told that, you know, I'm a good facilitator. I've gotten a lot of opportunities around campus to facilitate sessions and to host. And I always want to like kind of like kind of shake them and say, you don't understand where I came from (laughs) because this is so the opposite of how I was as a kid and even a teenager. I absolutely dreaded speaking in front of large groups. Um, I eventually understood the power of driving a conversation and sometimes realizing like, okay, well, nobody else is going to do this. I got to do this. But I remember being a kid and I don't know about you, but in my elementary school, when we would read a science book or history book, our teacher would go around the room and each kid would read a paragraph in the (laughs) chapter. Yep. And I was not listening to a single word anybody said. I was doing the math and counting. Okay. There's seven kids. Okay. I'm going to count down seven paragraphs and see, okay, do I, can I, pronounce all of these words? Am I going to sound stupid if I say this word wrong? Um, so, hey, nice trick by the teacher to keep us engaged, but I didn't learn anything because I was simply just trying not to screw up. And, and I hated the sound of my voice, particularly when I, my voice was changing a little bit and I was super self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I remember being at, and we talked, Gail, offline about how public speaking takes on so many different forms. So it's not just getting in front of a room and facilitating, which is daunting in and of itself. I remember being at my 10th or 11th birthday party. In the entire party, I was thinking, I don't want to open gifts in front of people. I don't want to have to speak in front of this whole group, wow. even though like most of them were like my close friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it. It's not the, so much the words you're going to say. It's that all eyes are on you. Don't screw up. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I still feel that way sometimes. You want to make sure that you, know, you don't have a misstep or you're not, you know, your, your shirt's got to be tucked in the right way. So yeah, that, that can be really scary. So that's kind of where I started. Uh, you know, being terrified of speaking in front of anybody. Fascinating, enlightening, surprising. And you've come a long way, baby, as the old uh, cigarette ad used to say. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, and again, it's, it's all with experience. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but it always wasn't, it wasn't always sunshine and roses mm-hmm. with, with public speaking. And I've had experiences where I walked off a stage or walked away from a table and thought, that was bad. Like that just, that wasn't very good, but you know, we learn from it. Absolutely. We do. We do. How about, how about you, Gail? What were well, you, like? you know, I was very chill and I was very mellow and, and I, I hung back and observed things a lot. 
And then I came out with my observations. Like I didn't start talking until late, maybe like I was a year and a half. But at that time, I was almost like full sentences, like, all right, and here's everything I've been gathering in over this past 18 months. But I remember my mother, she she told me a story when she thought because of how I interacted kind of in personal, like in in individual situations, she's like, oh, let me take her to to try out for Sesame Street. And it was like, they got me in the room and I just clammed up. I would not talk. I would not say a thing. So no Sesame Street for me. My first formal public speaking experience standing up. And of course, I had that same experience, like, you know, with teachers and reading the paragraphs and counting, like which one is mine. But um, in college, I was asked to give the commencement speech for my department. So I was a psychology major and and senior year, they came to me and they're like, we want you to make the commencement speech. And I was like, well, what's the big deal about me? Like, why me? But I didn't, I didn't go into it with anxiety. I just went into it thinking, all right, well, I guess I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And I don't know if if anybody, if it's going to resonate with anybody or not. Um, But I think that it it gave me a sense of, of pride when it was over to know that that somebody thought that, you know, whatever they had observed of me throughout the four years, that they thought that there was something that I could add to that commencement ceremony and um, and to do a good job. But that's an important note, Gail, the confidence you get from other people believing in you. Yeah, that is a big deal. You know, when I started this podcast, um, that was on my own volition. And nobody came to me and said, you, st- you start the podcast. However, go back two or three years, mm-hmm. I was asked to, hey, you know, like, you have a good personality. Do you think you can facilitate this session? Okay, I can try. Then after that, I got more and more opportunities because people believed in me. And I'm not sure who said this. I'm, I'll never be able to remember where I heard this from, but I remember hearing somebody once say, well, somebody thinks I, I, I'm good at this, so why would they say that if it wasn't true? Mm. So, And then you start believing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, unfortunately, the opposite is also true. If somebody tells you you're not good at something, many yep. times, then you're probably going to start believing that you're not. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you got that experience. And I'm glad that your, your response to that wasn't to be nervous, because mine definitely would be. So, so with that in mind, Gail, do you have any specific horror stories to stand out in the public speaking realm? And you're smiling and nodding. So you, it, it, it's, oh. it's, it's, you're already thinking through the whole process, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually back there right now. And um, it was many, many years ago, but a colleague and I were making a presentation to our clients. And this was about a hundred people. So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty large group. And we were talking about a set of improvements that we had made to a program we were running. And so we just assumed that they'd be happy to hear about all these improvements and all these good things. But instead the Q and a session, I mean, the only thing missing from that session were like the torches and the pitchforks. Cause it just turned into this angry mob of people complaining about their pain points. And I don't even know if we got to the Q and a, I think somehow it started and then it just kind of caught on and and everybody was kind of piling on. And so I don't think either of us, me or my colleague or my executive director expected this and saw it coming. And the lesson that I got there is to really anticipate things from all angles and also, um, you know, think about the the audience. This is part of knowing your audience. Think about the, not just the content that you're asked to deliver, but the audience who is who is receiving this content and what other contextual factors might be surrounding what they're receiving and anticipate that and maybe even build it in if if it's if it's something you can control build it in and anticipate what what they may think so you can get ahead of that um, i also feel like the the lesson 
is to not let experiences like that traumatize you in a way that stunts your willingness to get out there and do it again. When I think about that now, that was almost maybe 20 years ago. And I'm 20 years older. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago in so many ways. I have 20 years of wisdom and experience. And I, I know that if I was in that same room giving that same presentation, the outcome would be very different. So being able to make the mistake, get up, dust yourself off, laugh about it. Um, nobody gets great at anything by just folding up their, their table and chairs and going home when they make a mistake. They just have to like keep going back at it. So that's, I, a, it that's was, a great point. Yeah. Because yeah. those, those situations can impede your progress. It can mm -hmm. stop you dead in your tracks. Any kind of failure could. Mm -hmm. um, that specifically reminds me of, of mine. The one that always stands out for me happened here at KPMG. So this was early when I was just starting to get asked to, um, to speak and facilitate events. And I remember specifically that this one was a very, very light lift. <laughs> which is funny in retrospect <laughs> and probably why I, I, um, I treated it so lightly. And I was asked by the leader of the local action council at the time, cause I was writing some of their like email communications, like, Hey, you know, Joe, you want to get up and introduce the speaker? I said, sure. And I remember that I got there not late, but I got there like right before it was going to start. Mm -hmm. And I had printed out like whoever the person's name was in like a brief bio of, of the person. And I rushed over there. I got there just in time. I picked up the microphone and I, re I looked down and realized I didn't know how to pronounce the speaker's last name. Ooh. And <laughs> in the middle of this, before I even got to the name, I ran out of breath. So I'm like, thanks everybody for joining. <sighs> and I'm like huffing and puffing uh, in, in front of like a room of maybe 20 people. And I have a dead silent room. You can hear a feather drop in this room. And I'm like, hold on. I, sorry, guys, hold on. And I'm like, I'm, and I'm like, how do I make a joke out of this? And I say, sorry, guys, I ran here. Sorry. And just dead silence. And then I, I rushed through the rest of it. And I, I think I just introduced the person by their first name and then let them take the stage. And, but after that, I, I told myself, I'm never going to let that happen again. Breathing is, is so obvious as it sounds is so important. I remember watching uh, like a training video by, you know, by the great Michael Orth saying like how important it is to just breathe mm -hmm. and, and catch your breath. And if I had gotten there five to 10 minutes earlier, that would have made a difference. Mm -hmm. And if I had looked at my notes and just, you know, I, because it was such a light lift and it was a quick read, I thought, oh, this won't be a big deal. I don't have to prep for this. Mm -hmm. That showed me the importance of preparation. Just pre over preparing for absolutely everything is, is so important. So that, that taught me a significant lesson and I, I vowed never to, never to do something like that again. So what other, are there any other lessons learned that you got from, from that or from your specific other examples? Yeah. So prepare is the biggest word, you know, prepare in every sense. So that's like knowing your talking points, knowing the audience. And to your point earlier, knowing contextually, like, like what are going to be the questions or what's going to be the feel of, of the room, knowing the tone of the room especially if you're a facilitator, you're going, you're going to be driving that tone is so important. Getting there early to handle any tech hiccups is so important. I can't even tell you, especially if you're going to be the one who has to set the stuff up. So for our podcast right now, I get here sometimes an hour early just to make sure I have all the wires, you know, mm -hmm. that everything sounds great. All the levels are just so because there's nothing worse than 
having to scramble the last minute or God forbid having a live audience watch you try to fix yes. a tech issue. That's terrible. Another piece of that is is knowing if you are in a, a situation like a lake house, who is my tech support? Who is the person that's going to help me? And also getting ahead of it. Hey, I need to show a video at the 10 minute mark. Like, is this something you can do? I can do like, like, let's get ahead of that. Mm-hmm. So we are not scrambling the last minute. And the last thing, and maybe the most important thing is making sure you and the audience are comfortable. Uh, clearly in my local action council example, I was not comfortable and thereby they were not comfortable. But in my best moments, I get there you know, early, I, I go around, I, I, I introduce myself to people, mm-hmm. I have some laughs. I call it warming up my brain because it's like, and you don't have to do this as much anymore apparently, but you used to have to start a car like 10 minutes before you would leave somewhere yes. to, to warm up the engine. <laughs> yep. So yeah, as much preparation as you can make, uh, it, it makes all the difference. Absolutely. And the one thing I would add, you mentioned the tech piece, and that makes me think of when we talk to our facilitators and, and you know, kind of try to get them ready to, to deliver sessions in the virtual space, make sure that you're practicing interacting with your camera because your camera is the audience. It's not the monitor where you can, or it's not your screen where you can see their faces. To create that that sense of of, of intimacy and, and connection, remember, so practice, that's part of your preparation if you're speaking virtually and, you know, making sure that you're presenting well on camera. So I just wanted to add that nod for the virtual uh, virtual situations in our lives. So, Joe, when you speak, whenever I've seen you moderate, you always have a sense of being very relatable, very down to earth. I don't feel like you're putting on airs or being somebody that you're not. What tips do you have for, for our community about how do you be authentic and vulnerable while also maintaining professionalism? The way I see it, I, I'm, I'm willing to share just about anything if I think it's going to make a connection with other people mm. in a positive way, something that's relatable, but also something that's not going to tarnish my reputation, mm-hmm. right? So if you watched our recent town hall with Arun, I remember being struck by how he said, listen, I was really nervous about yes. coming out here in his first big event as our new OMP. Mm-hmm under his new job, his new title, you know, having to speak to the whole Montbell campus and be the new face of the campus. And I remember thinking like, that's so relatable. And I, I liked him right away mm-hmm. because of that. And that's, you want to be likable as a, as a facilitator, as a host, no matter what, and you know, you don't want to get in the way of the content, but you want to be likable. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that's a good example of something that's shareable and makes you authentic. Anybody can relate to, I was nervous about making this presentation to such a large group for my first meeting. In contrast to that, if Arun had come out and said, you know, I, I was nervous about this because I really didn't prepare for it and I'm just reading cue cards right now and this whole thing means, that doesn't really mean that much to me. Then yes, that would be, yes, genuine, but also damaging to, mm-hmm. to his reputation. I think that I like to be authentic in a way that makes other people feel like they can be authentic with me as the facilitator. Mm-hmm. So I remember distinctly when I really felt like I'd come a long way as a facilitator. I was asked to facilitate the suicide prevention panel. And I want to say this was like 2018 or 19. Uh And this was a big bear of an event. We had, I think, seven panelists, a lot of panelists. We had about 30 people in the audience. And you were part of that session, right? I was a panelist, yeah. You were a panelist. And we had a virtual audience, too, Mm -hmm. in KVN. So to your point earlier about looking at the camera. So as a facilitator... Not only do I have to worry about, okay, knowing 
you know, the names and the stories of, of every panelist up here, making sure that they have, they are given the respect and the time that they deserve for their stories. Also making sure that I am not forgetting our live audience who's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. um, also making eye contact with the camera, seeing if there are any technical issues online. So maintaining eye contact once in a while with our tech contact on KVN, making sure that we don't go over on time or not going like really under on time. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is, is making sure that you're, you're setting the right tone which we talked about earlier, but it's, it's extremely important with an event like that right. where you're talking about such a serious topic. So you want to, there's going to be situations where these, these panelists may break down in tears. The audience may break down in tears. So as a facilitator, I have to think, okay, we want to give this time to breathe, but I also, I don't want to make sure I'm not talking mm -hmm. over, over their story, but there are also moments, even in the most serious of topics where there needs to be this little bit of levity little bit not to a point where we're where we're disrespecting the topic at hand mm -hmm. but i remember being told afterwards that you know it was just perfect it was just mm -hmm. the right amount you you really respected the topic and that's something that i as a facilitator take a great amount of pride in yeah it's a very slippery slope to be walking down mm -hmm. but uh, that's when i realized when i was when i was hosting that event that wow i've come a long way because it's it's a lot to manage you are you are in charge of the tone of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you're coming across as authentic. You want to make sure that, you know, the technology is in check, that all of our panelists are up here and they are mic'd up. It is, it, it can be, it can be incredibly daunting, but also incredibly gratifying when all goes well. Let's take a minute to hear about an opportunity to connect on campus. We've all been in situations where we're asked to give a presentation or speak in a meeting unexpectedly. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, this can be a daunting task. Having the right tools you need makes all the difference. I'm Deepa Krishna, president of KToast, Montvale's Toastmasters chapter. Joining KToast is the most effective, supportive, enjoyable way of gaining great communication skills and increasing your network. We meet twice a month and practice these skills in a friendly, non-judgmental atmosphere, get feedback, and work together to get better. Check us out at our open house in April and see if you'd like to join. Details will be coming soon. Hope to see you there. So this has been a great chat, Joe, and I think now is a good time to bring a, another voice into the, into the picture, and that is our friend Marlon, Marlon Bennett. So Marlon, welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's start with who you are and what you do for the firm. I'm Marlon Bennett. I work with the Beto office in BPG. We are Business Enablement and Transformation Office, and we help our partners, meaning our business units within the firm, realize improvements within their process areas and so on. Great. So we're, we're talking about our public speaking experiences on this podcast, like good and bad and good, bad and the ugly. Can you, can you tell us about uh, any, any public speaking experience you had early in your career that maybe didn't go so well? Oh, there are many, but there's one that I, that really sits with me over the years. So there is a large company that I left from one to another. And in my new role, it was more of a leadership role, um, 
totally new to to the firm as well as the um, the responsibilities that I will take over. So with usually they have a um, a quarterly meeting for all the process areas, and so I was actually right there when they were just kicking off that quarterly meeting. So I didn't have much experience within the company, had no experience really doing public speaking. So I, you know, I thought, I, okay, I'll put my presentation together. I'm good. You know, I'll just go in and just give my update and I'll just go and sit down. So you weren't nervous at that point? No, because I thought, okay, I got it in a bag. It was my turn. It was a huge meeting. It was a departmental meeting. And there were, you know, a lot of people, at least 100 folks were in the room. So it was my turn. I went up, got my presentation up. And it was about, let's say, maybe 20 slides. And I was done in about a minute. So figure (laughs) 20 slides being delivered within a minute. And I went and sat down. I asked no questions of my audience. I did not pause, not for a second. I saw like the, 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 the look of horror on my manager's face. I was like, what is the problem? So that was, you know, at the end of it, you know, went back to my, my office and realized that I completely bombed. So I was like, okay, lessons learned. And you know, she gave me a whole lot of lessons, so we'll, we'll talk about that. So was it in that moment or around that time when you started to develop strategies on how you could be better, or did it, did it take some time after that? Um, we were act, I was actually sent to a training program to learn how to develop my speaking skills, my presentation skills. It was like a two-week intense program where you learn how to put your content together, you learn techniques on how to deliver to large audiences. You learn, you know, how to, you know, certain approaches like don't use a lot of filler words, you know, pause, ask questions of your audience. So we learned a lot of techniques after that. Um, I think that experience told my leadership, like, she needs to go to some training here. So definitely I got the support from my organization to learn how to build my, my presentation and my public speaking skills. It didn't come automatically after I got the training and also the coaching, but it took time to develop with the tools. I got accustomed to using the tools. One of the biggest things to get accustomed to is really stop using a lot of filler words when you're speaking to your audience and also pausing and asking questions so, or getting their, their feedback and their interaction. I think a lot of us, when we're not comfortable speaking, will rush through it as quickly as possible. Because then the faster you go, the faster it's over. Mm-hmm. Did that take a while to get used to once you learn these strategies? Yeah, I, sometimes I still do it in meetings. It's like, you know, sometimes I just want to get it over with. It's, it's one of, like if you have a topic that is like something that I'm not comfortable with, I tend to race through it so I can just get it over with. But I learned that, you know, even though I may not be a subject matter expert on the topic, I can use the audience to really even help inform me on the delivery of the of the subject. So it's still something that, you know, it's 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 not one of those things that you completely, you know, get over. It will creep in over, you know, even as an experienced professional, it still creeps in, but it's not as frequent. So Marlon, obviously you've come a long way since since that one presentation you told us about. Can you tell us about your recent experience at Launch at Lake House? Sure. So in July, I had my first um, program or first lake, launch at Lake House to facilitate. I was a secondary facilitator, so 
Luckily, I was not the primary. This was my first time doing it. So I had someone that was more experienced. That was the lead. <clears throat> it was nerve wracking. I, I kid you not, even though I've done, you know, lots of public speaking um, events and, you know, just have been out there for many years. One thing that I learned when we did our development, you know, there's some courses that um, you know, the, the, the folks that run the program do um, run for us or, you know, that we can participate in. And then we also had a uh, orientation in Lake House. So one of the, the main lessons that I learned in one of our orientation was meeting your audience, introducing yourself as they enter the room, build a rapport, not just wait until you get in front of the room and you start introducing yourself and starting to, you know, just brand new. That really helped a lot. So when I stood in front of the room, everyone was familiar to me. So that was a huge help. That was a new um, technique that I learned. Even in the past, you, I, I, I really didn't do that in terms of meeting the folks right before we went in. Usually you meet them you know, ahead of time, and by the time you get to the meet, they probably forget who you are. But this was more fresh, where you're meeting them as they enter the room, and you're introducing, and you're making small talk. So that was really helpful. That's a really important yeah. uh, thing to note, Marlon. I, I remember my mother one time, she went to see Regis, Regis and Kathy Lee, mm-hmm. and they had their own talk show. And I remember specifically that she, I was like, what was, what was it like, you know? And she said, well, Regis, before the show even started, came around and talked to people. Mm-hmm. She remembered specifically that, and that makes the facilitator more comfortable, and yeah. it makes the audience more comfortable. So right off the bat, you're already ahead of the curve. Exactly. So I think that's, that's a really important note. So Marlon, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope you know this serves as an inspiration to other listeners who may be reluctant to get in front of, of, of a crowd. Um, as you've proven, we don't always start where we want to. But if we take the time to get better at it, we find a way to be successful. Absolutely. Thanks Thanks again. My pleasure. So I want to thank everyone who listened today. If you're reluctant to speak publicly, um, believe me when I say we completely get it. We have been there and still there most of the time. Uh, But the more exposure we all have to it, the better. Real quick anecdote before we sign off. Uh, A few years ago, I was brought on to facilitate an intern panel discussion. It was end of summer. So this was kind of like an intern wrap-up event. At some point, one of the audience members asked me, well, you know, this is it's kind of daunting for the interns to, to, to speak publicly. Like, when did you get over your fear of public speaking? And without even thinking, I said, I never did. <laughs> I never did. I'm more comfortable with it now. And now I know, like I have, I'll call them coping mechanisms for, for getting through it. But if you are an anxious person, and most people are anxious on some level about public speaking, whether it's a best man speech or a toast or, or leading a team's meeting, but the more exposure we have to it and, and the more we, we kind of solidify these strategies, the better we're going to be and more often than not, we'll be successful. Thanks for joining us on Montville Muse. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Montville Muse. If you have a story you'd like to tell on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me at jdeprospero at kpmg.com.